Part 1, Chapter 8 of Death and Magic Zagora reached the top of the dais. On she came, terribly slow, savoring her triumph. Don't ever think me ungrateful for your sacrifice, my dear, she said. And do come to haunt Auntie Zagora. I should love a visit now and then. Such a sweet and pretty girl you are. Frantically, Cassandra tugged at the ropes that bound her limbs, but they held fast. Zagora stood over her, smiling ear to ear, and began an incantation. Blood-bought magic, hearken now. Claim the payment to run out. A sanguine flow to pay the fee. Nullify my curses three. But if three proves too great an ask, let two or one fulfill the task. Crimson power tarried not in by before our vintage plots. As the witch spoke, Cassandra stopped struggling. It was pointless. She lay her head back on the altar and shut her eyes, waiting, bracing for the end. And in the dark behind her eyelids, Philip stood, watching her with sadness on his face. He was asking her to live. He didn't speak, but she knew his meaning clear enough. She saw Ajax and her parents then, all wanting her to stay. I can't, her heart told them. I want to stay. I love you all. I wish I could, but I can't. She saw the disappointment fill their eyes and realized they did not believe her. They wanted her to live. They believed she could, and it was she who'd given up and let them down. In the instant that this vision flashed behind her eyes, something shifted in Cassandra. The victim on that altar died before Zagora ever raised the knife. Her final moment, facing death, Cassandra killed the helpless girl inside, and something new was born. Fear was all forgotten. She opened her eyes. A spark sprang up within and caught her soul ablaze. It felt like spreading wildfire, like dragon's breath longing to burst free. She felt a kinship with the fire in the room, could hear its voice, could sense its power, its hunger, its rage at being so contained, trapped within the oil lamps and hearth. Zagora finished her incantation and raised the knife. Cassandra heard the fire's cry for freedom. It heard her cry for help. They understood each other. fire seemed to roar. Kill the witch. She told it with her mind. The fire billowed up. Leaping from the hearth and engulfed Zagora. The witch shrieked and fell back, flailing on the dais. Now burn the ropes and set me loose. Cassandra willed the flames. Tongues of flame burst up, gnawing through the ropes, and in a moment she was free. She leaped down off the altar and turned her face away from Zagora. The witch was writhing, screaming on the floor as the flames devoured, scorched her flesh without mercy. 
kill her quickly. Cassandra told the fire. She felt a terrible surge of heat behind her, and Zagora's cries stopped. The fire had done its work. Cassandra fled the room without looking back. She didn't want to see. She ran until she found the room where Talavos was caged. He was shocked to see her, and joyful tears poured down his face. How did you? The key is there, in that corner desk, top drawer, he said as she fumbled with the lock. Once she'd thrown the door open, he sprang out and hugged her with his stubby arms. She held him tightly. What happened? How are you alive? Where is Sakura? He asked as soon as they had released each other. She's dead, said Cassandra. Talavos looked at her in disbelief. How? Tell me what happened, Cassandra. I killed her, she replied. At least, I think I did. I told the fire to burn her, and it listened to me. Talavos was speechless for a time. He looked Cassandra over. She was not harmed, but for the rope marks on her wrists. Her eyes were dry, and there was something different to them. Then a thought came to him. We need a ring as proof for Charles. I will go and fetch it. Wait here. He was off, and soon returned clutching a blackened ring. It will be night out in the wastes, he said. Should we stay here through the night? There is no danger with Sagora dead. No, Cassandra said. We mustn't lose any time getting back to Ajax. We can rest when he is safe. And so beneath the stars they crossed the wastes again. Dawn was peering through the mountains as they ascended Jaros' lofty home. Cassandra's thoughts were on Ajax as they climbed. Had he fared as well as they? Survived two nights with Jaros? She dared to hope as much. Sakura is dead said Talavos when they stood before Jaros. He dropped the blackened ring at Jaros' feet. By fire, it would seem, Jaros said, lifting the ring with a talon to inspect it. He licked it and said, And magic in the mix. Tell me how did you manage to kill that wily woman? Talavos and Cassandra exchanged troubled glances. What strange or inconvenient thing might Jaros do if he knew Cassandra had used magic? I warn you not to lie to me, said Jaros. It will not go well for you if you do. Cassandra hazarded the truth. You are right. It was magic. I told the fire in the hearth to kill Zagora, and it did. Ajax looked stunned, but Jaros only chuckled. I should very much enjoy seeing an untrained girl command fire. Ajax, boy, build us a fire with those sticks. Nothing grand, and be quick about it. We shall see if there is any truth to this story. Ajax did as he was told. Twice he met Cassandra's eyes uneasily, but said nothing. He was plainly nervous, and for good reason. Cassandra wasn't sure the fire would obey a second time or what Jaros might do 
if it didn't. When at last the little fire blazed and crackled, Jaro said, Come, girl, show us this power of yours. Cassandra stared into the flames, trying to remember just how she'd connected and conversed with them before. The flames spoke not a word, only danced the way that all flames do. Flare up. Do something to show them I'm not a liar. She told the fire in her mind. Nothing happened. I can't do it, she said, and felt the blood rush to her face. Why couldn't she now when asked to prove herself? How awfully cruel of fire to ignore her now. Save my life, then make me look a fool. She was angry at the fire now. I warned you what would happen if you lied, said Jaros. His voice was grim. You never said what would happen, only that it would not go well. But I didn't lie. I just can't do it right now. I'm not sure why. I've only done it once, and I didn't know what I was doing. Cassandra told him. Another lie! Shrieked Jaros, feathers puffed up. You will pay the woeful cost that I demand of liars. Ajax, I'm sorry, boy. I'd hoped you'd be my new right hand. But she has sold you out, the cruel woman. What can I do now? My talons are bound. I gave my word that you would die if she could not command the fire. And here she tests me. It is she that has killed you, not I. I am so dreadfully sorry. With that, Jaro snatched up Ajax and hurled him off the side of the mountain. So great was the surprise of all, so suddenly it went that no cry escaped his lips. Panic seized Cassandra's heart. Not Ajax. Like a leaf, float back, she wished. And up he came, tossing to and fro upon the wind, weightless as a leaf. His eyes were wide, his mouth agape as his feet touched down on stone again. Jaro squawked in disbelief. Cassandra had no time to wonder what she'd done. Her anger flashed white-hot. All the stockpiled hate for Jaros burst out. She was tired of his lunacy, his inconsistency, and all the tests and threats. She made the fire roar up tall and form a burning circle around Jaros. And for an instant, there was something in the griffin's eyes. Something strange. Could it have been fear? Enough of your twisted truths and shifty bargains, Cassandra blurted out. As she did, the flames blazed brighter, and Jaros winced. Take us to Niramaris as you promised. Fulfill your end of the bargain, or I will burn you like I burned Zagora. Amidst the circling flames, Jaros was looking more and more uncomfortable. Then all at once, he laughed. <laughs> Near Mars, of course. What are you waiting for? Climb onto my back now if you are ready. Such a rapid change of heart would seem odd or false with any other, but not with Jaros. Unpredictability was the only sure prediction one could make regarding him. 
Ajax hooped loudly as they soared through the air on Jaro's back. Cassandra clung to his feathers and held Talavos tight. They were going too fast for a wind sprite to keep up. The wastes were now a distant memory. They'd reached the southern sea, the starry sea they'd heard it called, though no one in their village home of Green Hills had ever seen it. Just wait till I tell Phil about this, exclaimed Ajax. We always said we'd sail across the starry sea and find adventure. This tops that idea. Cassandra blinked. The sleepless nights were catching up with her at last. It seemed impossible to keep her eyes open. She shut them and leaned back against Ajax. She didn't want to fall asleep. It was downright precarious to fall asleep upon a griffin's back in flight. But she was so comfortable. The warmth inside the cottage kept winter's chill at bay. Ma was busy at the kettle, stirring, tasting, seasoning. The soup smell filled the home, delicious, tantalizing. Cassandra needed dough for tarts. There would be apple and blackberry this year. Blackberry was a treasured favorite between her and Philip. The last one often drove them to blows in years past and squabbling as they'd gotten older. They'd kept a record of who got the last blackberry tart each year and alternated turns. Cassandra hoped it was her turn this year, eyeing the berries in her bowl. Philip and Da came in, burying armloads of firewood. The feast of midwinter was nigh, and their little home was filled with cheer. Outside, the hills were garbed in pristine white, with sun-gold jewelry glistening. A perfect, cozy day indoors. Everything was as it should be. Except an icy draft. It whistled through a crevice in the window. No. The window was open now, inviting blustery winter in. Cassandra shivered as the frozen wind nipped her cheeks and nose. High above the ocean still they flew, but down below she spied bits of bobbing ice upon the waves. She thought she glimpsed an ivory shore enshrouded in the mists ahead. Where are we? She asked. We've come to the frozen land of Kavalia, cried Jaros over the howling wind. Kovalia. She'd never heard of it. Kovalia, across the starry sea. She rolled the words round in her mind and bundled tighter in her cloak. The tundra land was beautiful as she'd hoped. Icy cliffs rose up to meet them from the mist, and far below she glimpsed animals, fat beasts, the like of which she'd never seen, lazing on the white shores. Past the cliffs, the snow-blown plains stretched on forever, engraved with ice-cracked valleys where no liquid water flowed. Is Niramaris in Kavalia? Ajax called above the wind. In a matter of speaking, Jaros said, it's off times found here. What do you mean? Is it sometimes not found here? Asked Ajax. Wait and see, dear boy. Wait and see, was Jaro's reply. 
Ajax looked in wonder at the ice-crowned peaks below, imagination brimming. He dreamed up lumbering giants with beards all decked in hoarfrost, living deep in ice-carved halls with spindly towers sharp as icicles. And what giants without a sorceress queen upon a crystal throne? She was sure to force her will upon those giants till they were the terrors of Kovalia. Ajax thought of himself and Philip saving the people of Kovalia from the giants and the giants from the sorceress. It was a perfect fancy until Jaros said Kovalia was desolate and men had not lived there for a thousand years according to the tales. Ajax was about to ask about giants or a sorceress when something up ahead caught his eye. A mighty funnel cloud reached down, gashing the frigid tundra's face. There, said Jaros. We've come to Nirmars. You don't mean... Talavos, who'd been very quiet up till now, spoke up. You told me the city is within that whirling storm. I do, roared Jaros. It seems the ancient wizards designed it that way, to keep unwanted visitors out. Storm winds and an icy tundra mostly do the trick. Hold on, children! He winged them upwards, ever higher, until they rose above the clouds, above the spiral. Now here's the dangerous part. Cling tightly now! He ordered, then dove into the storm's eye. Cassandra screamed and Ajax laughed as they plunged down, whirling chaos all around. The air inside was not so violent, and Jaros kept them well away from the storm-spun walls. And up through the whirling tunnel beneath, a city emerged, all white stone with dome-topped buildings trimmed in gold. Such a city might have housed tens of thousands in its day, so vast was its expanse. Now, it was a ruin, filled with crumbling walls and toppled towers, a memory of its former splendor. Still, their hearts leaped at the sight, for it was the wizard city, Niramaris, at last. They landed in a square, lined with broken statues that must have once looked regally down upon the passers-by. And now we must part ways, said Jaros, when they had all climbed off his back. Wait a minute, Ajax said. You must know something of this place. Do you know how we might get Philip back from wherever he's gone? Bring him back, you say? Jaros twisted his head to set his eye on the boy. I've never heard of bringing someone in. I've only ever heard of people going out. Your friend Philip is the third such case. Well, what about the other two? How did they manage to get out? Where did they go? Asked Ajax. Both I brought here, said Jaros. There is a palace on the northern end of the city. It once had seven towers, though four have toppled last I saw. You'll find a well in the courtyard there. The well of infinity, one man called it. You'll know it when you see it, I'm sure. As for where it leads, I know not. To infinity, I suppose, if such a place exists. 
He was making ready to leap into the air when Ajax stopped him. Can you fly us there? He asked. If it's across the city, that'll be another day's journey at least for us. You could get us there in minutes. Jaros sighed indignantly. But I am pressed for time, he said. And you have already taken much of mine. How arduous my search will be to find a new right hand, now that Boldegna has been lost. And all for you. Yes, Ajax said, knowing better than to argue. But shouldn't you call it your right claw or right talon? You don't have a hand. Of course I don't now, Jaros said. Not with Degna slain, and you soon to be. Why do you say that? Asked Ajax. I don't plan on being slain anytime soon. No one ever plans to die, dear boy, said Jaros. Not usually, at least. But you will be dead soon enough. It pains me to think of it. Jaros hung his head a moment, then made ready to take flight again. What do you mean? Ajax stopped him again. Jaros' sorrow turned abruptly to impatience. The guardian of the city, of course. It will come upon you soon. The wizards of old set the guardian to... Oh, well, guard, I suppose. That is its job, and it does it well. What? shouted Ajax. Why didn't you tell us about this before? You didn't ask, Jaros replied. How would we even know to ask? demanded Ajax. That is not my problem, said Jaros. Am I to solve all the world's problems? Well, don't just leave us here if there's a guardian coming to kill us, Cassandra said. She was angry now, too. Our return trip was not in the bargain. I'm afraid I am awfully late to find my right hand now. Farewell! With that, Jaros leaped into the air, and no amount of calling after him or offered bargains would detain him. He was up and out of sight in a few blinks of their eyes. Asked Talavos. Head north, I suppose, and try and stay out of sight, said Ajax. Cassandra looked up the northward street and said, Let's hope we find this seven-towered palace before the Guardian finds us. Hello, everyone. This is Keith, writer and co-creator of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying this series, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend about us. It really helps. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Path of Legends. We're proud to be a part of the Podbelly Network. You can find us and other great podcasts at podbelly.com. Thanks again for listening.